listening to Affect Autism, where Affect is the number one tool we use in supporting child development through playful interactions. If you're a caregiver looking to implement your own floor time approach, please see the Parents Menu at ICDL.com, the Interdisciplinary Council on Development and Learning, for the virtual floor time consultations for parents. There you can schedule an appointment, look at the virtual DIR home program services, and see the weekly parent support meetings registration. We aim to help you implement the developmental individual differences relationship-based model at home, taking into account where your child is developmentally and their individual sensory processing differences within your safe and nurturing relationship to promote and support their developmental potential. Welcome back listeners, I'm Daria Brown and this is affectautism.com. We have Julia Swagen this week. She is a registered social worker in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, who founded and directs Attuned Families, a clinic to help families harness the power of relationships so that parents find peace and children thrive. They offer family therapy, child therapy, parent coaching, and the safe and sound protocol based on the polyvagal theory of Dr. Stephen Porges. Julia is here today to discuss the work they do in a floor time lens. Welcome, Julia. Thank you for having me, Daria. It's great to have you. And um, the way that Julia and I connected is that we both have taken many courses uh, from the Newfeld Institute around the work of Dr. Gordon Newfeld, who is a Canadian Vancouver-based developmental psychologist. He uh, was a clinical psychologist for years. He has this wonderful model of attachment, which is so much more than attachment um, in itself. And it's, it's based on relationship. It's based on all of the things that DIR floor time is based on um, just in general, not specifically for children with extra challenges or diagnoses of any kind, but it certainly helps children with diagnoses, especially. And so through that, we met up through the uh, local Newfeld facilitator in the Toronto area and discovered that um, Julia's entire clinic is being trained in floor time through the Inter International Council on Development and Learning. So let's start off with what brought you to DIR floor time? Yeah, so I mean, it started with my own daughter who does not have a diagnosis, but when she was young um, was when I discovered Dr. Newfeld's stuff. And um, just because of my own struggles as a parent and because of the struggles I was seeing in other parents um, and what I knew at the time wasn't working, I sort of set out on, a, on quite a search to find, to get to the bottom of it. Um, because even with all of my years of clinical training and experience in the field, things weren't adding up um, in my own parenting experience. Um, so fast forward to, I opened a clinic, uh, I retrained, I opened a clinic, and um, I had families approaching me who had children on the autism spectrum who were saying they wanted to work with me. This is years back now. And I would say, well, I'm not, I'm not an expert at autism, though. That's not primarily what I do. You probably want an expert in autism. And they would say, no, 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 no. We tried that, and it was horrible. And I later learned that what they were talking about was like a really strong behaviorist approach to working with kids with autism um, that really didn't align with their values as a family and their instincts as parents. And so with sort of a 
amplified informed consent around what I can and can't bring to the table, I, I agreed to work with the, this handful of families who had approached me and was really, really moved by what they had been through and what we were able to do together through a different lens and just um, and, and shocked at how hard it was for them to find someone who could work with them in that way. Um, so then I saw a call out for more clinicians who um, wanted to work with families um, of children with autism and potentially travel and train. Um, so I applied to be part of that initiative and um, it was a really fun exercise and sort of like how would I approach this this issue through um, treatment in air quotes. Um, and that's how I found um, floor time because everything, our clinic is committed to um, excellence in several different models, but all that are rooted in or, or compatible with healthy attachment relationships. It, and I came across it in the same, similar way, Julia, uh, I had, studied Neufeld's work when my child was born and as he developed and before the autism diagnosis came uh, I was full in on the attachment models and the relationship based you know um, approach to parenting in general and yeah. kind of horrified by discipline and behavioral styles yeah. and just even all the mommy groups I was in and, and talking to other mothers and seeing that there was this movement towards a desire for relationship based approaches and attachment based approaches to parenting. And just, um, you know, then as your child gets older and gets into the school system, you hear about horror stories of how, you know, everybody in Ontario was trained with a behaviorist approach and it's just so rampant and so Dr. Neufeld has tried so hard to spread the message across Canada, across North America, across Europe and, and, you know, worldwide. I was just at his conference last week. They had people attending from 30 different countries. Amazing. So, um, you know, it's all of these developmental approaches, de developmentally based, relationship based, client centered type of approaches are peeking their head through and really, um, gaining some traction, but still, like you said, families find it so hard to find anyone to work with that has training that isn't behavioral. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I found floor time <clears throat> in a similar way. Uh, luckily, I was just watching The National one night on CBC, and they did a special on the study at York University on floor time, which happened, you know, I think it, it was back around 2010. Um, I saw it in 2012 and contacted everybody, uh, Dr. Shanker and everybody in that video and my floor time journey began. And it really is wonderful how Neufeld's approach and DIR floor time complement each other. And I, I write about that in a lot of my blog posts. So I was thrilled to meet you. And, and we were, I think, both very excited to learn that we're on the same page and how we coach families and how we try and support families um, based on our own experiences and and what we've learned through our trainings. Yeah, it is a relief to find other people in the clinical or education space um, who are on the same page about how we should be treating children. Um, and we need, we need each other, we need to work together um, to advocate for kids. I came out of the school system. Um, 
And it was, I had a lot of what I call, where am I moments? <laughs> where, I, like, how can this be? How can it be that this is how we see children and this is how we treat children? And um, it's a tough system to shift, for sure. It is. Um, when I first moved from downtown Toronto to the suburbs, I went into a toy store with my son and the the clerk at the store, um, you know, was a middle aged woman and she right right away said, oh, is your child autistic? Uh, I can tell I work with autistic kids in the school system as I'm not sure. I think she was an education aide or something. And um, and she she was so eager to share. And the stuff she shared then horrified me. <laughs> mm. And I want to say that, you know, I am sure that most of the people working in these areas have nothing but good intentions. Yeah. And they're going on what they were trained to do. And I think unless you live through it yourself and really understand it, it's really hard to know why it's so wrong when you use a behaviorist approach and and it's the same that you know self-advocates say if you don't have if you're not autistic yourself why would you be telling autistics how to live kind of thing yeah. and so you know i i find that <clears throat> a lot of parents may not realize they have neurodivergent characteristics themselves and may or may not be diagnosed as on the spectrum but it's it just astounded me that this this woman was saying, oh, we have a suicidal child at our school. And so I said, oh, um, what what makes you think the child is suicidal? Oh, well, he smashes his head on the floor over and over again. And it took four of us to pin him down and hold him down. And like, I don't know what the look on my face was, but I was just like, oh, my goodness. Like they have yeah. no understanding of individual differences, no understanding of the sensory profile, no understanding of the fight or flight that this child is feeling no understanding of looking at why the child is doing that like yeah. suicidal please come on yeah. <laughs> so it's scary it is and it yeah it is and we need it, it's tough to advocate it's tough to it's tough to advocate but it's really important yeah and and i think that's what dr newfeld tries to get across too is that when people aren't informed about attachment and how it works and how relationships work it's yeah. really hard for them to see the problems and once you look through that different lens everything makes more sense yeah so when you um get clients in like let's use the example of a family who comes in with a child who's just had a, a diagnosis of being on the autism spectrum and they might i mean you can um give a generic example like these are the things that they present with, like our, our child is having these behavioral outbursts. We don't know what to do. Right. What's what's the general approach of attuned families? Well, at attuned families, there are seven of us therapists um, and there are slight variances on how like the, our backgrounds and our experience and our training. Um, but where we all come together is around being very client centered and um, around using approaches that are relationship focused um, and support family relationships and attachment relationships, if you will. So it, because we're client centered, there are so many places that we could start. And it really depends on that initial conversation with this family and the initial experience with this child. Um, 
And I, I think first and foremost, we want to be there to partner with the family and support them on this journey. And we could start, we could start really with sort of what feels most easy and approachable for the family, or we can start with what feels most urgent for the family. Um, there are rarely quick fixes, but we can usually see quick momentum and start to see momentum fairly quickly. Um, so our place to start is really in building that trust and relationship with the family, really getting to know the family. Um, and then it's it just depends on what the presenting needs are and what the priorities are for the family. And so we might sit down and say, okay, I'm hearing, you know, that you're seeing concerns around behavior. I'm hearing that you're having trouble communicating with the school or, or having, you know, the school's not managing to meet the needs, right? I'm hearing that you're not sure how to navigate the system, for example. Um, I'm hearing that you're burnt out and, spread way too thin and that you don't have enough support so we might as much as the behavior might feel like the biggest most pressing issue um we're going to be drawing on a parent's own personal resources that they're usually low on when they come to us to to shift behavior um and so sometimes the first place to look is like, how are we going to support you and build you back up so that you can do this? Because there's no, when you do, I believe that it's, this is actually, it is easier to do things this way than with a behaviorist approach, as much as a behaviorist approach can seem a lot more simple and straightforward and black and white. Um, a floor time or relationship based approach kind of snowballs and it gets you get back from it what you put into it. And so it's how do we get help the family get to a starting point where the parent can start to give a bit more and then it can start and then start to build on the momentum. Now, do you find, I, I can imagine that there must be a real feeling of relief and validation that you hear from your families because there's so much outside pressure to conform, to normalize your child, to control your child's behavior, to yeah. get them into ABA therapy and all of these pressures. Yeah. And you're sort of sitting back and saying, it's okay, you're doing a great job. Let's focus on the relationship. Do you find that there's maybe a combination of that sense of relief as well as, wait a second, are we doing enough? Is this okay? Should we be yeah. doing more? It's relief, and there's often a big release. Lots of tears, often, um, and 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 it's never stops moving me to in, in a good way because it's an honor to be the person who can give that feedback to a parent that they need to hear and deserve to hear, and that's absolutely true and. Um, and to ally with them. And I'm also never stop being surprised by how poorly parents get treated um, in the system. And I just, I don't know if I have a bit of a block around that myself, but I'm like, wait, still? What? Um, so yes, absolutely. There is relief, um, a lot of relief. And 
neurodiverse or not, or neurodivergent or not, as a culture and, and with our systems, we don't have developmentally appropriate expectations for, for typically developing children. So that's also a place where I start with families who aren't struggling with any diagnosis um, because we are causing children and families, I, I, by we, I don't like to include myself in the we, but um, as a system, like for example, the school system, um, as, a, as a culture, as a society, we're not setting families up for success in building healthy attachment relationships. And we're putting a lot of barriers in the way and we're putting a lot of expectations that are really unhelpful um, on, on caregivers and families and children. And we download grown-up problems onto children constantly. No wonder they're anxious. No wonder they're struggling, right? And so one of the other things that I um, get sort of a lot of that really great feeling from is bringing caregivers together so that, you know, strength in numbers so that they can get support from one another so that they can see they're not the only ones who are in touch with their instincts and who are trying to do better than what the system is offering for their kids. Yeah. And, and what you said was being true to their instincts, which I think is what brings so many people to floor time is that something did not feel right yes. about ABA. Something just yes. wasn't right about what that person was expecting or telling me to do and just trusting those instincts and trusting your gut and yeah. what, what is good for my child? What, that makes my child feel safe. What makes me feel safe? Yeah. And I learned that myself the hard way as a parent. I didn't trust my instincts with um, my firstborn when she was younger in a childcare situation until I until I did, but I didn't at first. And then I I somehow gained the strength through, also through other parents to look into something and discover that my instincts were bang on. And I vowed to myself never to shut that down in myself again. Um, Cause our kids need us to listen to our instincts. They need us to, to have that confidence and to, and to be their big people and be their advocates. Right. And you mentioned bringing parents and caregivers together. Do you have groups? What, what do you do around that? Yeah, we want, we run a parenting group called the attuned village. And so we have some, digital content that parents have access to when they're in the village. And then we come together every second week over the lunch hour just to chat about whatever is coming up for them. And then I, of course, have my like little tips and tricks and reflections that I share, but it's also a place for parents to support one another. Um, and I really love that group. I get chills every, every time we have that group um, because it's a real place of growth because it's not about a, like there is curriculum that parents have access to, but it's not okay. Today we're addressing meltdowns and here's how you do meltdowns. It's about come tell me what's happening for you. What's important to you today, right now. And let's respond to that. And then the way that themes develop and that <laughs> shared attention, if you will, develops around certain um, issues that may manifest differently for different families, but there's always there always seems to be a common thread um, to come together around. So it's a really sort of organic space in that way. So it's 
what I call it's fun for me because of what I do. But um, yeah, and I hear that it's beneficial for parents as well. And when you meet, is it virtual? It is, yes. Did you, were before the pandemic, did you have these groups in person and do you foresee having them in person in the future or you're not sure right now? I don't know if we'll have them in person um, just because logistically it can be challenging. Um, but we do workshops in person. We used to do workshops in person and we um, were doing an event in June, um, which is more than a workshop. It's a very fulsome um, curriculum, but but yeah, for the group, I, so far it's uh, virtual. Well, since you brought that up, I brought up your website here. For those listening on audio, you'll be able to see this at the blog post at affectautism.com if you look under attuned parenting, um, attuned families. This is the attuned parenting seminar being held coming up on June 8th, all day in Prince Edward County, which is up somewhere near Kingston. Is that right? Yeah, it's in Eastern Ontario, yeah. And um, why don't you tell people who are listening, because hopefully some people that are listening would be willing to make the trip there for the day and the venue looks absolutely gorgeous. What is happening during this day? Um, so the venue is gorgeous. I'm very excited to spend the day there. We wanted it to be open, an open air situation, but we really wanted parents to feel looked after for a day. Um, parents are, particularly the parents who are listening now, are doing really hard work in their parenting that often goes unseen and unappreciated. And so we wanted to show our appreciation and look after parents for a day while also giving them sort of a protected space to gain some clarity, consciousness around their parenting. Um, we're putting on a curriculum uh, for the morning, I am, that covers a lot of the um, skills and research um, that we focus on in our practice and that we advocate parents um, make use of in whatever ways work for their family. Um, and there is an opportunity to work through um, what I call barriers to putting these things into practice because there, there are a lot of parenting courses out there, but what I find doesn't get addressed enough is like, yeah, I know what I'm supposed to be doing or maybe I don't, but after today I will, but there are so many things that get in the way, right? And so how do we overcome those? That's the biggest challenge I think a lot of parents face. Um, and lunch is provided, and then we do uh, breakout groups in the afternoon where people can share their stories, connect with other uh, parents, and process um, and troubleshoot some of the information from the morning. And there's a virtual option as well for anyone who can't make it out to the county. Um, although I am very excited to have people in person, we will have people tuning in uh, live um, over video as well. Wonderful. So I'm going to click on the learn more link. And this is where people can register by clicking on the register here and learn more about it. So um, this looks fabulous. And I imagine that if it's a success, you'll probably make it an annual event or something like that. There's a lot of planning that goes into these things. So I, I, I love that idea in theory. Um, so far, I think it will be a success, um, but I'm going to need to 
take a couple days after it's over to make that decision. Um, I'm really, really excited for it though. And this is um, eligible for OAP funding or workplace benefits as well um, to get reimbursed for the cost of it. So Julia's talking about those who live in Ontario, Canada, uh, the Ontario Autism Program, if you have funding from that, you can use it to register for the event on June 8th, or if you have benefits for social workers through your work. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm showing now the Attuned Families homepage, and you can book a free consultation. There's information here. And what I want to point out is, um, where is it here? At the bottom, Julia also offers a free course that is uh, three, three short videos and you can just enter your email address and click get the course and that this is a wonderful free resource for people listening if you want to check that out at attunedfamilies.com if you scroll down to the bottom of the home page so that's a great resource as well um how do you see the well i guess maybe a two-part question how do you see what you've learned from dr newfeld's work meshing with what you're now learning from floor time and then i guess part two would be how do you apply uh like the floor time stuff that you know in your practice or is it sort of all just sort of a part of that general philosophy that you've had from from the start of your clinic i think i mean when you've been practicing for a long time things tend to sort of mesh together and you don't always you're not always totally conscious of exactly where what you're doing has come from um what i find what i i found dr newfeld's work really really um is really transformational and um and sometimes a little bit more um theoretical than practical so there are some practical pieces um but I love the way that floor time provides for dyadic work between parent and child and gives us a way to work with children that uses less talk therapy, if you will. That's really um, like really deeply reading children in a way that I think just builds really beautifully on um, Dr. Neufeld's work. So I think they they relate to one another really beautifully. And I'm a lifelong learner. Everyone in my practice is committed to lifelong learning. And so the more approaches and theories that I can learn um, that align with the value system that we have at the practice, the better. So. Um, yeah, so it does all kind of become part of what we do. It gets integrated, um, but yeah, everything tends. We also use like emotion-focused family therapy, which is more uh, skills-focused for parents, um, and also offers also pairs really beautifully with both uh, Newfeld's work and floor time because it is a way. Sometimes parents get caught in what we call blocks in emotion-focused family therapy. It's like I intend to, for example, attune to my child's tough emotions, but then I, I, I pull back and I, it's not on purpose, right? We can, through emotion-focused family therapy, we can get beneath that and process and clear what's getting in the way 
So then parents can better access the tools that they've learned through us that come from, for example, Dr. Neufeld, or they can show up um, more meaningfully in floor time therapy. So yeah, I do find all of, all of the different approaches that we use um, work really nicely together. Yeah, that's wonderful because I, I know that, you know, you'll, you found too, I, I, I see it in the um, online parent support through ICDL that I facilitate weekly. Parents have, parents are all on their own journeys. And so the parents that come in with the youngest children that were just diagnosed are, are at the very start of their journey versus the parents that have been doing floor time for a number of years versus the parents who have older children who are just learning about floor time. And everybody's in a different place in their journey. And everybody has different assumptions and understandings of what they expect of their children and, and different capacities to attune to their children. Yes. And, and if you're a person who finds it really hard to get in there and just be with your child and empathize with their emotional experience, then it's a lot trickier <laughs> to get in there with floor time. And sometimes you'll see the difference between moms and dads not necessarily in a stereotypical way, because sometimes it's the dad who attunes so well and the mother who's more strict and behavioral, but it's it's really interesting to see that. And, and so uh, that's that's um, interesting to hear that the emotion-focused therapy helps, you know, break down the, those barriers. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we're all about is breaking down the barriers because I think there's a, there's a huge narrative out there that is very parent-blaming and, I know that when I'm not well supported, I can't show up the way that I want to for my own kids, right? And so um, we're really big on breaking down the stigma and the blame and the shame and just getting to the root of it and, and helping families have what they need to enjoy the rewards of healthy family relationships. Yeah, Dr. Glavinsky has talked about this a lot in the podcast I've done with him. He's a psychologist in, in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and, you know, was buddies with Dr. Greenspan from the start. And um, he, he has wonderful stories about when he was a teacher in schools and, and just having that natural floor time approach and talked about how, you know, usually parents will do things in the way they were parented and they have this kind of blockage in their mind about, you know, the child must do this and I can't do this. Otherwise being lenient and being, yeah. um, you know, in letting the child get away with things and just reframing that so that you're like, no, 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 you know, come alongside the child and try and experience like, what is it they're experiencing right now? Stop focusing on the behavior. And, and it's so easy to just say, don't focus on the behavior yes. and you can think that, but to actually do it is something very different. Like there's the whole cognitive piece and then there's this whole experiential piece. And that's what this floor time and Neufeld and everything approaches really about the experience of it all. And it, yeah. you have to do it and do it over and over again to get it. <laughs> Cause yeah. I have, I have people say to me all the time, I've read engaging autism. I, I listen to all your podcasts. I read all your blogs, but I still don't know what to do. Like, right. cause you're reading yeah. it cognitively. Yeah. And that's why I say, and like, Part of like I am right there with parents um, breaking certain cycles in my intergenerational history, right? And so, and luckily for me, I live and breathe this stuff, right? And that's part of why I I have a leg up in making those changes in my own family, which is not to say that I never struggle. 
But that's part of why the village exists because you can learn the stuff. Most people can learn the stuff, right? But you have, you need repetition, you need reinforcement, you need to a place to get your mindset back where you want it and and do differently. And then you might fall back into old patterns, but then two weeks later, you're back in that place. Right. I knew, I knew, I, <laughs> I, I knew what I wanted to do, but I kind of forgot, right? Because it's very easy. It's not, it's not easy to make these changes. What I will say though, is that parents of younger children have increased neuroplasticity. So they do have an advantage and it's a great time um, to practice and change and grow as a person. And your growth is your child's growth. The more you grow, the more your child grows. Yeah, I've seen that with some of the parents that have been coming to parent support group for, for a number of years and, and you've just seen the growth and maybe they started with two children or one child and then they have two or three and, and you start to see how much more confident they feel. And like Dr. Yeah. Newfeld says, like you have to know you are your child's best bet, not yes. be looking outward, like who can help yeah. me? Who can help me? I don't know what to do. Like you're your child's best bet, have that confidence. Yeah. And and just also, you know, so I find some of the stuck points too, where where parents, it's, it's really hard for people in general, not just about parenting, but it's hard for people to admit they're wrong if they maybe didn't do something the right way. And it, and it's not about blame or, or um, saying you did something wrong, but it's about shifting, you know, if you are using a very discipline-based approach that's harmful to the child because they can't control their behavior, to shift that thinking like, oh, maybe I could have done this instead and it would have been better for my child. Sometimes people have a really hard time because that means admitting that I'm wrong and having yeah. to do something differently and just, having that support, like you say, and that village and that encouragement and, you know, no shame, no blame, just yeah. moving forward from what you know now is, is just, I imagine, so helpful. Absolutely. And we're all getting some of it wrong, sometimes at least. Like the, the best quote unquote parent still messes up sometimes. It's just, it's about showing up. It's about having that consciousness and, and doing your best and trying to make those changes, right? That's the best you can do. Um, I think a lot of families also fear what will happen. Like this is sort of what's supporting my family right now. We have this behaviorist approach in place. Take that away and it will be pandemonium. So there can also be a lot of fear there. But so we we don't start by taking things away. We add first and then, and that's how we shift. But um, I would argue that most of us are not getting it right. And I think that, and again, quotes right, wrong, but um, we're not supported to, we're not supported to do well by our kids. I mean, we have half of all people are diagnosed with a mental health condition by age 40. How can we say that we're doing a good job with our kids, if that's the case. We already have one in five and probably going on one in four children diagnosed with a mental health disorder. And I can tell you from my experience, many, many more undiagnosed, but still struggling, right? And so there's no way that we're getting it right. The best thing we can do is acknowledge that we're not getting it right and try and do better. 
Yeah, and, and that's such a good point about, you know, not having the support. So how can you succeed if you don't have support? And yeah, um, yeah so important. Um, I what something you said makes me um, eager to give a preview for an upcoming podcast that um, I'm going to be doing with Dr. Newfeld. And ah. two things that jumped out at me at, from his keynote at his conference last week uh, were the themes of emotional well-being instead of mental health. Yes. He said calling it mental health really labels it as a disorder, like yes. something's wrong, whereas it should be about emotional well-being because we all need to have emotional well-being. We all get dysregulated. So if I'm dysregulated and I'm tired, I'm not going to be that perfect parent because yeah. I haven't had sleep or I have bronchitis for two weeks and lost my voice. <laughs> you know, yeah. I can only do so much. Um, and so what is this emotional well-being and how do we get supported around that? So I can't wait to hear his take on that in the podcast. And then secondly, one thing that we haven't talked about yet, which I think we'll end off with, is this whole concept of play. So my series, We Chose Play, is like my family story of getting into floor time and how it was applied and applying this whole developmental approach and lens and everything like that, and how play is so important to floor time. And Dr. Neufeld um, said at the conference, instead of calling it play, he likes to think of it as the emotional playground. Mm -hmm. So it's a playground and it's emotional experiences because people label play like they'll say, oh, I played soccer. Oh, I played video games. Oh, I played a board game. That's not the type of play that he's talking about for, you know, an emotional well-being. Like you need those emotional playgrounds. So I imagine that that's a lot of what you provide for your families as well is how do we make this playful? How do we just connect with our children and just have fun together. And even for things that aren't necessarily easy, how can we use that emotional playground to sort of get through it and support our kids? Yeah. And each other as spouses or whoever. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have a listen. Dr. Neufeld has a really brilliant way with language and among, among his many other talents. Um, and I, I agree wholeheartedly. We like to, we say we are focused on um, prevention, early intervention and innovation in child and family mental health. So we say mental health and well-being, but I like emotional well-being. Um, and because that's what we want, we want more than the, than the lack of a disorder. We want people to thrive. We want our kids to be thriving and they can be. Um, and we can help get them there. And and same thing for our children, as you mentioned, for the parents. The children feel supported, then everything can just elevate instantly. Yes. yes. You just notice like simple things like nitpicking at your child, like, oh, don't do that. Oh, do this. Don't do that. We don't even think twice about it. Yeah. Versus the next day, like, you know, oh, look at that. What you're looking at. Isn't that awesome? Can you share it with me? And just a simple shift of that can just yeah. suddenly lift a child's spirit and you just see they feel more confident, they feel supported, they feel happy, they feel loved. And that's what we yes. want for them yeah. to thrive. Yeah, absolutely. Well, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with before we sign off? Um, I know I, I think we covered it, but 
The clinic is Attuned Families in Toronto, and uh, here is the main website. Um, there is the live event coming up June 8th in Prince Edward County, Eastern Ontario, which you could also attend virtually. And it is a social work clinic, so her team is here. You can see there's a number, number of social workers on staff that work with families and all of the different types of therapy that I mentioned at the beginning. So family therapy, child therapy, parent coaching, and the safe sound protocol, which we didn't cover, but I did a podcast with Dr. Porges. So I will link awesome. to that in the blog post so that people can look that up if they're wondering about that. Um, so yeah, if people are in the Toronto area and they want to check it out, you can email and uh, book your free consultation contact link up here at the top for those listening on audio attunedfamilies.com and the blog post at affectautism.com with julia swagen is there anything else you wanted to add no i mean just to encourage parents to own your role follow your gut um, find people to support you both formally and informally um, who you do gen genuinely feel supported by. Um, and your growth is your child's growth. So love that. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'll call this podcast. Your growth is your child's growth. Sure. I like it. Why not? <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Julia. It's been wonderful having you on. Thank you for having me. Until next time, here's to choosing play and experiencing joy every day. We Chose Play is a new series documenting my family's floor time journey. You can see the preview on YouTube, and you can register to watch the extended trailer for free at affectautism.com play, or just go to wechoseplay.com. With each episode, you'll glean insights, tips, and reflections, what I learned and what I know now that I would tell myself back then along the way. I hope it will support caregivers in their floor time experience. We Chose Play... We have joy every day.